Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on today's episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about safety tools, rules that we use to set boundaries and communication methods in darker role-playing games, and also how they're intrinsic to Paul's Fearful Ends horror game now on Kickstarter. All that and more today on Wandering DMs. Before we get into that, I'll remind everyone, as always, that at the end of the show, we will be hosting our after-party chat. Uh, that is an hour-long video chat on our private Discord with us and our patrons. And uh, if you want to join in on that, you can do so very easily by just joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms. Join at any tier, and you'll be able uh, you'll get an invite to our Discord server, and you'll be able to join in at 2 p.m. Eastern today. We always enjoy that so much. Um, so, uh, so safety tools, uh, you know, we are, we always, uh, promote this channel as, uh, bringing, you know, uh, one DMs bringing old school play to new school players. And, um, certainly, uh, safety tools are something that was, as I was researching this, cause I'm not the world's biggest expert on it myself. Um, I was actually surprised how recent they are as a matter of fact. So apparently um, this is now the 10th anniversary of uh, the X card uh, being created by John Stavropoulos. Um, and it to, mentally to me, it feels like that was a longer time ago. Um, and maybe that just is an indication of how uh, integral they have very quickly become. Uh, you know, they're now explicitly included in some WOTC official D&D publications now. Um, and uh, that was actually going to surprise me. But to, to someone who is an older school player, we went decades without any such discussion or commentary or any even idea or clue about that kind of thing. And so there is a very, I think there is a very, a fairly stark uh, transition in the first 40 years of role-playing games where that just wasn't discussed uh, to, to just the last decade. So for me, it's, it's, I still feel like a, a bit of a fish out of water on the topic. <laughs> you know, Dan, I'm reminded of just sort of other like real world introduction of safety mechanisms. Uh, like, for example, um, helmet laws or the introduction of seatbelts, right? I mean, mm -hmm, do, you, mm -hmm. do you remember when seatbelts were not a standard thing in cars? I mean, I was very, very young when that was true, but like it's actually more recent than you think. Um, and then for me, can personally, I, can, as I, a foot, can I just get an aside <laughs> on that? So, you know, that's, it's, it's more recent than anybody thinks because, uh, I mean, you, you and I grew up in the Northeast. Um, and when I see commentary on seatbelt laws, people go like, oh, the sixties or seventies, we weren't talking about it. Uh, when I, when I was a teenager in the eighties, there was a very serious push, uh, you know, uh, so I'm in Maine, I get my media from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. There was a very uh, serious conservative push in Massachusetts to remove existing seatbelts seatbelt laws, and they were successful uh, in the mid-80s. The mm -hmm. mid they actually had seatbelts and then actually removed them as a, as a legal requirement in Massachusetts in the mid-80s, and they came back. 
So um, uh, very recent, and as, as it, when I was you know, developing my sense of the world, that looked like something that might go away. It was actually trending in the opposite direction for a while. So I, to I totally feel that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I, I, you talk about that kind of fish out of water moment. Like I definitely had that myself. Um, when when I was young, not that young. Like I, I don't know, it's somewhere between like ten and fifteen in that in that age range. Uh, I used to go skiing a lot. That was a thing my family liked to do. They would take take us on winter vacations to go skiing. And then when actually not fifteen, fourteen, because I was fourteen years old when I broke my leg very badly skiing, so badly that it turned me off to the activity, and I didn't ski for thirty years. 30 years of no skiing until finally someone convinced me, hey, let's go skiing. And I thought, okay, you know what? It's, it's time. It's time to get back on the horse. So I went skiing with them and I was shocked when I arrived at the slopes to see everyone was wearing helmets. I was just not used to that. I thought, what? what? Nobody wore helmets last time I went skiing 30 years ago. Now everyone's got them. And it's just is like, I felt uh. weird not having one. And I immediately then went out and bought one because I was like, I guess... That's what you do now. And it, it makes sense. Why wouldn't you wear a helmet? It's a sport. It's, you're moving fast downhill. It's, you could hurt yourself. Why wouldn't you wear a helmet? I think this is actually news to me. I actually didn't know yeah. that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess the last time I was skiing, oh, geez, the last time I was skiing must have been more, must have been 20 years ago, actually. Yeah. I hadn't even it's, thought, I, I hadn't even thought about that. It's weird. It's weird wow. because also, you know, the other the other major sports I, I participate in is I really like ice skating and roller skating. And generally people don't wear pads to that kind of stuff. But maybe if I had been yeah. wearing wrist guards, maybe I wouldn't have broken my freaking wrist. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Anyway, good sorry, I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Safety tool. Well, I mean, I feel like I think that this is actually an important thread of conversation, actually, because the um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to riff on that if it's OK to take a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah go, for it. Uh, go for it. So, you know, there there are, um, you know, plenty of communities that are brothers and sisters, uh, you know, Hey, did, Paul, did you know that d and is sort of like a subculture and in some places it's, you know, that people look down on it or like you need to keep it secret or things like that? Um, I had no idea. Our, our, our other closely related niche subcultures, you know, have developed uh, safety tools and uh, safety words and things like that for engagements that could possibly have some amount of, you know, risk or things that make people feel uncomfortable, things like that. One thing I would say is that our experience, you know, my, my tangential experience to, uh, to performance, right, in uh, TV and film and theater has evolved, you know, probably about in the last decade or so um, with similar kind of safety tools. And in particular, uh, you know, TV film productions now pretty much always have intimacy coordinators, right? So if you're going to have a love scene, you have uh, quite likely a dedicated um, intimacy coordinator to facilitate the communication and what the boundaries are and what makes sure that everybody's comfortable. Because we know that, you know, TV and film has a fairly long, bad history of people being taken advantage of and people call it the casting couch and all kinds of horrible kinds of abuse. Um, mm -hmm. And they don't, they frankly don't have a great track record about that. And so having some kind of, um, you know, safety barrier around those, um, you know, touchy subjects makes, makes, a, makes a hell of a lot of sense. 
And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, my partner Isabel here, who has been in a number of productions and she's been in multiple productions just the last couple of weeks, there's a big difference between um, the older generation of, let's say, directors not expecting that, right? Not expecting mm -hmm. that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And you're just going to, you know, everybody's all in one room in the changing room and you're just expected to get naked in front of everybody else and there's no conversation about it. And, you know, if somebody rubs you the wrong way, you're just expected to laugh it off. And younger directors, right, are much more focused and much more deliberate about checking in and make sure everybody's okay with what's happening and taking the time to communicate that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm convinced that that's a move for the better. Mm. Um, and uh, it generally just makes the whole production a lot more comfortable, flexible. People feel freer about it. And I will say, as someone looking outside, I'm not going to engage in that directly myself. Um, but that that's a similar move to the better. And you can see this big generational distinction in expectations um, that's happened um, just in the last couple of years. So I think that's that probably for me, that's actually a good model for me to look at, actually, that I'm I don't I don't I'm not directly tied into it. So maybe uh, it, it's I, I'm a little bit less sensitive and I can be a little bit more objective of that as a model, actually. But that's I feel that that's a good thing that's happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that we're kind of tackling the elephant in the room first here. Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into specific safety tools that exist for RPGs and talk about all the, the the pros and cons and all that good stuff. But it is interesting because I mean, I saw this already boiling through our our chat before we even hit the the start button here. Of like, do we even need these things? Are these helpful or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And there's one thing I noticed. There was a really nice quote here from uh, Stavropoulos, John Stavropoulos. But apologies if I'm butchering his last name, yep. the developer of XCard, um, who said, just having the XCard present can increase the group's heightened awareness of everybody's risk and responsibilities. Even if the XCard is never used, it is still a potent tool for getting everybody to think about each other first and the game second. And I feel like for me, that's like, how many times have I seen these safety tools used? The answer is very low. Then again, how many times have I used the fire extinguisher under my sink? Never. But am I glad it's there? Hell, yes, I am. Right? That's, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or the so. fire alarm, right? I mean, you know, I'll yeah. say, look, I, I, I've been fortunate enough that, you know, the fire alarm is actually always just uh, an irritation. Uh, it, it, it's always, it, frankly, it's, it goes off because the, the battery's going or there is... A little bit of expected smoke. It's never actually been a fire, um, you know. But yeah, like you know, we need it because the alternative is much worse. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so this is definitely this is an area that is, um, yeah, this is important to me in the development of Fearful Ends. This came up. Um, there's a, there's a section about safety tools in um, in Fearful Ends in my book uh, itself. It'll be. I, uh, when folks back this and, and it comes out, you'll see that there's there's a couple pages on on safety tools. I kind of went back and forth with editors and and other uh, my layout guy on on what tools to include or how to include them or how to talk about it. And ultimately, like one of the things we wanted to do was to provide links to the resources within the book. But it gets weird, like you know, with with a PDF, it's great because you can hyperlink stuff. You just click, boom, you're on the website with like a print book. Seeing a URL written out is not awesome. And then maybe maybe you put in a QR code that people can scan with their phone, but then how much space are you devoting to that? 
long and short of it is what I ended up doing is just writing a little blurb about safety and then including a link back to my own website. So Fearful Ends now has an official page on safety tools, uh, both what are baked into the game and what we endorse. Uh, and you can check that out right now. It's already live. You can look at it at fearfulends.com slash safety. Um, and, and I think a lot of the things we're going to mention here for me are going to come right off of that page. Great, great, great. And I think that's what. Ca- so give me, give me. Cool, cool, cool. Give me a, a top uh, top bullet points of what you've got on that page. Okay. Well, the first thing is just the the game itself. Um, so the, the game itself has has this mental stress system, right? The whole point of the mental stress system is to be sensitive towards real world mental illness and to just provide uh, role play prompts that players can use that are. Um, rooted in real human reaction to extreme stress rather than, you know, arbitrary clinical terms that maybe are meaningless or maybe people are going to play bad tropes against or whatnot. Um, but the thing is, there's six major categories of mental stress in the deck. And one of the things the book says first is here's a very quick blurb of just two sentences about each type of mental stress. Read these out loud to your players. Ask them if any of these are objectionable. Like, do you, do you, find that you're going to react badly if you see someone role-playing in this way in this game. And if so, remove the card from the deck. You just just take it out. Um, and I, I recommend that people do that. And then, uh, frankly, kind of stolen, I think, um, actually, I'm not even sure if this is in the book or not, but it's probably on the website. Um, there's a similar thing in Jason Morningstar's Desperation, which we covered a, a little while back, where um, there are kind of high-level content warning tokens on the different cards so if you like object to suicide existing in the game there's just remove these cards blah 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 and then he mentions in the rules like if you find yourself removing more than this many cards maybe play a different game maybe this game isn't for you yeah and i think that's very sensible right it's not (laughs) i think that's honest i think that's an on i think that's actually an honest awareness of this 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 publication might not be for you yeah yeah and that's that's the thing with does that come off as let me okay let me let, let yeah. me make this difficult. Does that come off yeah, as gatekeepy? Sure. I might play I might play devil's advocate a little bit here. Like and I and I've seen like you know public I've seen newspaper publications that also respond to people that way sometimes. And I and I probably said that to at least one or two people on my blog that just never liked anything I ever wrote. Um, uh, is that is it is it is it okay? Is that okay? Or is that, I, does that come off as rude? I, I I'd argue not. I'd argue not because this is leaning into yeah. the first safety tool that I want to talk about, which is Patrick O'Leary's CATS, which stands for Concept, Aim, Tone, Subject Matter. So if you look up CATS, uh, Patrick O'Leary wrote this very lovely little just one pager of before playing the game, before introducing the rules, set the expectations. And then set the expectations in this way, hit these four bullet points, concept, aim, tone, subject matter. And for me, going um, going through the cards like that, is talking about tone and subject matter. You're talking about these kinds of things are going to happen in our game. You're setting the expectation at the table. This exists. We agree. We're okay with playing a game about this thing. And um, you know, you want buy-in, I think, from everybody. And and if you have players at the table who are not buying in, who are like, "Oh, I didn't realize I signed up to play this kind of game," they should know that ahead of time, not halfway through. <sighs> I think that the, uh, you're right. Okay, you're, you're right. I feel like the devil's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I feel like de- yeah. occasionally. I feel. Uh, I, I occasionally wonder if something is lost at being surprised. 
and I'll, and I'll say, mm. look, the, the, the specific thing is a horror movie that has, you know, content warnings at the front that basically give away what the surprising, shocking events are. Um, and I, so I, I'm going to say that I'm a little bit on the fence. I'm a little bit on the mm. fence about having those kinds of content warnings when a particular, you know, particular, my, some of my, my most, you know, vivid memories are the things that I absolutely didn't expect that were, that were so shocking. Uh, maybe that's different in a piece of recorded media than live uh, improvisational role playing. Um, I mean, you're right. And at the same time, for me, it's not a, it's not a 100% slam dunk. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the devil's in the details here, right? Like, um, let's talk about like going to see a movie, right? Let's say, let's say we started putting content warnings on movies. Maybe mm -hmm. that's already happening. Um, <laughs> right. Like if, if you're sitting down to watch a movie with somebody who is very hemophobic, right? Just can't stand the sight of blood and they're sitting down to watch a movie and the, and the very beginning of the movie says content warning, there's a lot of blood in this movie. Right. Is that is that spoiling the movie or like wouldn't it be worse if you sat down and watched this movie with your friend and halfway through they start to freak out and they go, we got to turn this off. I can't watch this. This is horrible. I, I you know, I, it's 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 it, I, I, I think that there's 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 a there's a I actually have a thread to talk about this, about what, yeah. you know, the, the culture, the American culture a couple generations ago. Um, Frankly, not me. Okay, this is not actually. I'm not. I'm not going to say this. Some people would find that a lovely, right? There, I think. I think that some, like, there are some people, some American culture type people, like a generation or two ago, that would love that. Would that think that that was the best thing ever, and would make fun of that person for the rest of their life, and would would acclaim themselves. Like, I, I think. I think. I. I, I know well people one generation before me that would adore that and would that would be a, a high point of their life and they would never stop talking about it that, that and, makes me very sad to hear dan frankly i yeah i feel like yeah. that it, um i don't want to watch I, movies I think, with that person i i want <laughs> that to stop oh, thanks uh, yeah I, I guess i want that to stop yeah yeah so anyway, and then let me but let me roll this back into role playing yeah. games in terms of content warnings. When we're talking about content warnings, right? The thing about role playing games is how improvisational is it, and are you really giving things away? Let me tie this back to the cards, the mental stress cards in in um, in Fearful Ends. It so there's six different types of cards, right? And I would say if you're removing more than, if you get down to removing three, maybe start to question. I would just remove fifty percent of the deck. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Is this the game for us? Maybe not. Right. Um, that's all, you know, so so the cards just talk about the kinds of reactions players might have and how they might react to the horrible things they're going to see. So I might say, hey, here's a card called anger. And somebody in this game, if they play these cards, is going to react very with a lot of anger and violence. They're going to get violent. And they're going to shout and they're going to be mad. Are you OK with somebody else at the table portraying those things possibly directed at you? Um, you know, and, and to be honest, when, when I've played this at conventions uh, with strangers, um, with friends, whatever. I've yet to actually see anybody ask me to remove a card from the deck. It's never happened. But I would gladly remove it if somebody's like, yeah, you know what? Frankly, uh, you know, I've experienced a lot of abuse in my life and um, I'm not, I'm not, 
I would be more comfortable with this game if that just wasn't in it. Um, but my point being, am I giving away secrets about the plot of the game? Am I spoiling the game? I'm just saying that like, hey, don't, this character isn't going to react in this way. You're not going to do this kind of improvisation, right? I mean, you're, I you're talking up, about I mean, things you're, that are, yeah. You're, you're so right. I want to, I want to throw up a couple comments that, that our, our friend Ash just put in the chat, actually. And I got to, I got I got to really got to, um, you know, thank Ash. Actually, he's active on our discord server, obviously. And actually he, he has actually given a bunch of material in the last week or so. It's actually been incredibly useful for me to know what the current lay of the land is. Um, and so like on the, on the topic of movies, um, Ash said, I mean, weren't people actually passing out when they first saw, saw the first exorcist? Um, and then, and then Ash said people were running out of the theaters just from the previews of that movie. And of course that also makes me think of the original, I believe Lumiere brothers, early films of, uh, a, a, a locomotive coming right at the viewer, right in the theater or a gunman, you know, pointing a gun at the viewer. And again, people having never experienced that in their lives, jumping up and fleeing from the theater. And that's why those things are famous forever. And obviously we have, you know, a new Exorcist sequel that's, you know, available right this second. And that, you know, that, that it, they, it, it, and again, this is me acting as devil's advocate. It, it wouldn't have been famous if it wasn't transgressive and broke exactly that rule. Um, mm. So I, 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 I'm slightly troubled by, you know, we're going to, I think I think you see what I'm I think you see what I'm saying with that is that like like you're going to it's someone's going to find a method of success specifically because they break those rules. Um, and I don't know what to do about that. Mm. Mm. Um, I said I was going to make yeah, this conversation very difficult. Here's a <laughs> here's a difficult conversation, people, and you're going to see how Paul and I navigate that kind of conversation live on air. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I don't know. I mean, it comes down to what's more important: the success of your art or the emotional safety of the people yeah. witnessing it. Now let me come at it the other way around. Okay, so here's yeah, a movie yeah. that I personally really wish had more information about it. Uh, years ago, I went to see uh, the George Clooney film, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And got about, I don't know, 40 minutes into it. And I'm like, wait, this is a fucking musical. Why am I at a fucking music? I don't want to see this. Why did anybody <laughs> tell? I thought this was like a criminal something on the run hunt heist movie. Why, why didn't anybody tell me this is a goddamn musical? Because I don't want to see that shit. And nobody told me about it. And I was pissed. And I had to sit there yeah. for another 120 hour and 20 minutes watching a musical because I don't like musicals. So, yeah, I wish I had been informed about that because uh, I get triggered. <laughs> yeah. but, but, Dan, surely you're ruining the experience for all the people who are delightfully surprised to hear so much music when they weren't expecting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Your oh. triggers, I don't care about my triggers. You better respect that. <laughs> I mean, this. Is, so, okay, let me let me let me twist this in an interesting direction, frankly, because this is I found I found reading the the Wikipedia article on X card was very enlightening for me. Um, 
you know, there was um there was there was some arguments um about um shoot, where was I going with this? <laughs> right. There's some arguments about the tool was being developed specifically for convention based play with strangers. I'm However, many people argue most play takes place within a stable pre-existing group where people understand and know each other's tastes better and are far less likely to transgress onto anybody's, you know, boundaries. Does that matter? Does it matter whether you're playing with strangers or close friends? I feel that that was actually very helpful for me to see that that's where the X card motivation came from by uh, John Stavropoulos. Um, and to, to me, that actually made a lot, that actually makes a lot more sense. Um, and it's something that I don't engage in a lot. I actually don't engage in, you know, I've, like just one or two times have I run uh, games at conventions with complete strangers. Um, and it's it's such, we, we constantly run up against the, this vast distinction between ongoing home games and one-off convention games with strangers. Um, it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me that that's where the motivation came from, and why it feels weirder to me in the in the session the kinds of sessions that I would run. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's certainly more important to have these for the sake of convention games because you are much less likely to know, um, you know the 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 tastes or the experiences or the backgrounds of the people you're playing with. So maybe you want to tread a little more lightly in that case. But I don't think it's necessarily bad then to take those lessons and bring them back to your home group. Because frankly, if you accidentally push against a, a friend's boundary uh, without realizing it, like maybe that calls into question your whole friendship. How did you not know this was going to upset me, Dan? How could you include this? I'm never playing with you again. Table flip. I'm out. That's good to hear. That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think, it, yeah. and, I don't, and that's that's what I would get back to is like, you know, I, I, it's similar. It feels similar to me to the people arguing about like, oh, I, you know, safety belts are an insult to my driving ability, or they're uncomfortable how they rest on my shoulder. Yeah, I get it. I I didn't wear wristbands when I was roller skating because they're not the most comfortable thing in the world. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in retrospect, I would have gladly had a little discomfort. In, in my experience to not have to wear this stupid thing for the next four weeks. Let me just inject like a very small yeah. anecdote that amuses me and I apologize yeah. if it doesn't amuse anybody else. So in my first uh, uh, video game job, right, I was working at uh, Papyrus Racing that did what we considered to be high-end racing simulations for uh, Grand Prix or NASCAR, things like that. And they went so far as to send the engineers to Skip Barber Racing School to actually get the physical, the actual physical experience, um, and then come back and, and add, you know, be aware of that as you added new things to the game. So I such one of the most best experiences of my life, frankly. So they send me out from Boston to um, Laguna Seca, um, such a wonderful track out in California, and so I get in the car for the first time, right. And you know, there's several helpers, and I have a big, you know, helmet on, and I have a balaclava, the whole fire suit thing. And there is, you know, this safety net, right, that that they wrap around you, and the guys pull it tight, right? And I'm like, that is way too tight. That is so uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Oh my mm -hmm. god, that's so uncomfortable. And I go out, I take one lap, 
I pull back into the pits, right? And I say to the guy, this is nowhere tight enough. This is not, this is not nearly <laughs> tight enough. I'm sliding all around here. You've got to tighten this up, tighten this up way more because I'm very uncomfortable with how much I'm slipping around in here. It just, it just took one single lap. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. Holy crap. That's funny. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. 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 You, don't, you, don't, you don't know, I guess, until you know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You know, so a little bit right. of experience goes a long way about what it's actually for. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you, if you look through these safety tools, you get you you find the ones you like, right? You don't need to. There's a lot to choose from. You don't need these. Need all of them, right? Find the couple that work for you. Incorporate them into the way you play. You're gonna lose what? Maybe five, ten minutes max at the start of your game just to talk about this quickly with your players and get them used to the idea, and then proceed and play. And I feel like you're gonna have a better experience. And everybody's going to be bought in, and everybody's going to feel like their, you know, emotional state matters to you. And you know, you're going to have a better game for it. I think, and I don't think it's that much. I don't think it's that big of a cost. I think it's helpful for me to hear this five to ten minute number. Uh, I'd like that. That's the target, at least. I guess, as someone that really struggles with time management um, in my my teaching and my game running, actually, I think I'd actually now now you've got me curious about actually timing it like experimentally yeah. actually timing how how long experts actually take to do that um, yeah that'd be interesting I, I, I think it's pretty short you know I, I, yeah. I have a regular spiel that I give at the beginning of my game and frankly it's incorporated into a whole lot of other stuff because mm -hmm. let's get let's talk a little bit about running convention games because I'm about to do this a bunch mm -hmm. I'm gonna run a whole bunch of demo games of fearful ends coming up uh, I'll be at just, uh, hey, everyone, here's a little quick self-promotion in the middle of this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be at uh, Redemption Game Night at Redemption Brewery in uh, in uh, Worcester. Uh, I think uh, that's coming up um, October 19th. It's a week from Thursday. And I'm going to be at Carnage Con. Uh, that's a convention in Vermont, uh, 20, October 27th to 29th, running demo games. And um, I'm actively looking for other opportunities to do this. So if anybody's in this in the New England area and knows a place that would be good for me to come and run a demo, let me know. I'll show up. Okay, that's it. Running a convention game. You've, you've done this, Dan. You, you come up with the game. You, you, you've spent a whole bunch of time prepping the game. You know exactly what you want to run, what system it uses, what the major plot point is. And then it goes, and now it's time to go list it with the convention. And the first thing you have to do is boil everything down to like three sentences, right? The number, the amount of space they give you to describe your game is very small. And it's such an, ex it's an exercise in marketing, right? You're like, how can I pitch this game to give enough information about what it's going to be like to play that it appeals to the right people so that they're going to be excited to be there and appeals to enough people so that people will come and actually come play my game and I don't end up with an empty table. It's really difficult, and probably you're you're gonna miss stuff. You're gonna miss mm -hmm. big yeah. big stuff, big things, right. right? So I think it is important at the beginning <laughs> when you sit down to the table to give people a little more context of, hey, everyone, and then and then sorry, let me wind back a little bit. People are gonna choose to play your game based on this description months in advance, possibly, and then they're gonna show up to the table with a little ticket or maybe or an app that just gives them the title. Oh, I guess I'm playing this game. Maybe it's gonna tell them what game system. They've forgotten. They don't know what they signed up for. So I think it's very useful to spend a few minutes at the top of your game at a convention and be like, hey everyone, this is what we signed up to do. This is what we're this is what's gonna happen, right? This is what we're gonna play. 
you know, and then I want to talk about rules. Also, never mind the fact that I'm, I'm basically, this is an ad for my system that I'm selling. So I want to, I'm going to have to explain it to people. They probably don't know how to play. So I got to go mm -hmm. over rules. I got to go over uh, some, some content. I got to go over how the, how the cards work. And I'm going to include in there so my little pre-written blurb about, you know, safety. Here's here are the different mental stress types we're going to see in play. Does anybody want me to remove any? Uh, and typically, I roll an X card as well. That's usually usually what I use. An X card is just a very simple, like, hey, and I don't even use a physical X card anymore. I gave up on that. I don't need a card. Whatever. Just say okay. the word X card or whatever. You know, okay. just say it. <laughs> say I, I need to X card that. Great. I know what that means. And, and I just explained to them, right? X card. It's, you know, if content comes up in the game that makes you uncomfortable and you're unhappy and wish that wasn't in the game, just say X card. We will take a step back. We will, we don't need to discuss why. We're just going to, I'm just going to rerun the scene without that element in it. And we're just going to move forward. And frankly, those couple of minutes that I just took to explain X card are going to save so many minutes if and when it does come up. Right. If it does come up and people start to freak out, like how much time are we going to lose to disentangle? Why? What's going? Oh, you look really uncomfortable. What's happening? Right. Like, mm -hmm. no, just oh, X card. Okay, great. Jump back. Move on. Don't need this stuff. Do you feel okay now? See now, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make this hard all the time in every possible direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. I think someone might possibly say, uh, like having the X card on the physical table might be helpful for new players that might just forget. Might right. just forget. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's it's, it's a reminder. It's a physical reminder that this is this is yep. this is the thing that you could use if I, you want to. I totally agree with that. And frankly, you know what I would probably do if I was if I was more on the ball here in my prep, I might just steal the printed one that comes with the box set of Fiasco. I freaking love their take on it. They 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 don't call it X card. It just says let's not. And I love yeah, that. I that's agree cool. with that. Thank you for bringing it up. I agree with that. You know. One of my concerns about the whole safety tool issues, particularly in you know inducting brand new players to the game for the first time ever, which which I adore, is I really really don't want to um, uh, confront them with a bunch of cryptic lingo. Like my, among my concerns is a bunch of standoffish, uh, uh, intimidating cryptic lingo um, uh, that would before we get into the interesting fantasy, you know decision-making, um, which is where I would like to begin. Um, and so I, so I, I do like, I'm okay. Frankly, I'm okay with X card. I think that gets the point across quickly. I do think that the, that the fiasco let's not card is an improvement on that actually, um, immediately communicates what it is. I think I'm vaguely, like, I think I'm vaguely okay with, uh, Emily Carabas's lines and veils. Like I think it's a, it, I think I can immediately intuit what you're saying with that. Again, as a non-expert, I think I can immediately figure that what it, what that is. And if it gets more complicated than that, I'm concerned that it becomes a barrier to new players. So uh, I'm glad you're bringing up the let's not card because I actually think that's a really good move. Tell me, tell me, let's for the sake of our listeners, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about lines and veils? Have you used it? God no. Um, so, like literally, <laughs> that's all I know. I mean, I might not know what it means actually, because so I've I've, I've seen it referred to, and uh, again, our friend Ash um, shared a checklist, which I believe is inspired by something out of uh, Monty Cook Games' um, Consent in Gaming book. I think it was written by Sean K. Reynolds uh, about four years ago. 
Um, and so there's there's columns there for a bunch of subject matter when the game starts of lines or veils or let's have a discussion. Uh, and I'm assuming I, I, I am just 100 percent assuming on my part that lines means we absolutely never do that. And veils mean like it's absolutely not in the game at all. And veils means but it happens, but it's off screen and we're not going to describe it in detail. Yeah, kind, yeah, kind of like exactly a fuzzy right. scene or something like that, that right? That's exactly so, right. I've had this come up kind of yeah. organically in games before. I ran a, mm -hmm. a post-apocalyptic zombie game once, and I had a friend playing in it who I knew just had a hard line around um, violence to children. It's like I just I just can't handle like graphic violence to children. Um, and so, and the scenario I was running absolutely had a scene where like, yeah, there's a kindergarten with a bunch of, you know, baby zombies, you know, or, or tod zombie toddlers in it. And yeah. yeah, I just, I just removed that from the game. Cause I knew it was, it was going to be very hard for that player. Uh, it came up organically just because we were talking, this is, I was running this ages ago, probably before lines and veils was formalized in this way, but it was just a player of mine who I had played with a lot who told me about this and I, and, and I think we discussed like, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to play this horror game with zombies and whatnot. Like, how's everybody feel about that? Blah, blah, blah. And, and it just came up organically in conversation. And I liked that. I thought that was good. And I felt good about just saying like, okay, I'm just going to not have that one particular scene in this pre-written scenario. I'm just going to yank it. Um, and that was totally fine. The the formalized lines of veils. The only problem I have with it is that the idea is you kind of go around the table and everyone just you know talks about their lines and veils. One, it feels time consuming to me, and two, I got to remember all that stuff, right? Like, did you write it? Is there a form you fill out, or do it? Do, am I just supposed to remember all right. the, the high level elements? Um, that's hard, right? Uh, and 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 players were maybe going to feel put on the spot to come up with something, even if they don't have something. Yeah, right. <laughs> good. Yep. Good point. Good point. Oh. So yep. I I like I like the idea behind lines and veils. Um, but I might I might simplify it a little bit. I might just look around the table and say like, does anybody have any hard limits? Any any anything you definitely just don't want to see in this game at all, right? And just give people, players like a chance to opt in without having to do go around the table and everybody talk. Um. I feel I, I I think I'm I again if 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 this works great and I'm talking I, I'm talking really without experience of using these safety tools I, I among my fears are having to you know have this advanced conversation about a whole bunch of really super unpleasant stuff and like yep. like I kind of don't want to bring new players in and and have and hand them you know a document with all of the worst things I could possibly think of and that that's their first step in the game. And I think, you know, just if you if you force me to choose, I think I would prefer to have uh, an, an, an X card, let's not, so that the one or two, I mean, how many things are going to show up in one session, like two or three at most, I think. Um, so if the thing comes up, you can you can adjust on the fly. Yeah, yeah it's a good point, right? X card kind of solves the same problem, but it does so in a way that can be introduced on the fly, which is nice. And now right. maybe it's less, you know, maybe it's... Uh, uh, Possibly there's an argument that X card is allowing a little bit of the objectionable in content to appear, right? Because I can't X card mm -hmm. until I start to hear about it. So maybe Agreed. there's yes. less, less total safety from X card, but I do like the idea that it comes up on the fly as needed. Uh, that, that feels better to me than, than something like lines and veils. Again, not, not trying to bash lines and veils here. I, I would be totally fine with using it, especially if you're running a game where you know like there's going to be a lot of content in here that's maybe difficult for folks. Um, and frankly, you know, again, my, my process of 
de detailing all the mental stress types is kind of like that a little bit, right? Like I'm just giving broad strokes here of like, does anybody object to this kind of appearing in the game? Um, so yeah, they're all kind of, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between a lot of these things. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the fearful end system evolved, right? So you've, you know, you've run your horror games for, for many years and I, you've had, mm -hmm. you know, versions of this system in the past that you have moved beyond. I don't know if you want to talk about your yeah. experiences yeah. that motivated you to I can, I can you talk about this a little bit. This is, this is, I don't, I don't know if this necessarily falls under the category of safety tools, but it's around like sensitivity in general, which is maybe a more broader top level category. Um, and certainly I've had, I've hired sensitivity readers to look at fearful ends. It's, it's actually been the major objective of the game is to present horror in a way that, um, is not, uh, doesn't sensationalize or stigmatize mental illness. And th this is me reacting to what existed in the world. And maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit better now. Maybe not, frankly, I, I think not. And so I think this is still a, a lovely niche for fearful ends to fill. Um, my, my problem was I was playing a lot of horror games where you usually had like what they call the sanity mechanic, right? So you're, you're losing your sanity. And, uh, I found that these were implemented in ways that were e in some cases clumsy and, uh, and, and unsatisfying and in other cases harmful, right? So the clumsy and unsatisfying one is like, okay, you have sanity points that are like hit points and they're going away. And I'm like, I'm excited for my character to lose their shit. Frankly, I'm excited for the role play opportunity to play a character who undergoes some real horrible stuff. And I want to react in interesting, exciting, dramatic ways. I want that as a player. And the sanity mechanic I found that was, that was at play in most of these horror games I was playing at conventions and whatnot failed to deliver that. Like, oh, I lost six sanity points, and that means nothing. My character's fine. Okay. That's not very exciting to me. Um... You know, or the alternative, oh, you lost a bunch of sanity points. Let's make this die roll or what have you. Oh, now you're going insane. Roll on this chart to determine what sanity, insanity you suffer from. And it's usually just this very bland chart with not much context and a lot of clinical terminology. Now you have schizophrenia. Now you have, now you're, you know, now you have uh, agoraphobia. Good luck figuring out what that means. And like agoraphobia, it's like, it's not like being afraid of outside or something. Uh, maybe I remember watching the TV show Monk. And I'm going to try and, you know, grab some things out of some inspiration out of that. And maybe that's really insulting to the player across the table whose uncle is agoraphobic. Right? Because maybe I'm portraying things in a very tropey, you know, very cliched way that is totally untrue to someone who actually lives with this on a daily basis. Maybe that's a little insulting to that person. Um, so anyway... Uh, I developed the mental stress system, which is kind of the core of Fearful Ends uh, in response to this first, in the response really to the first part of like wanting like a, a key interesting way that put power in the player's hands to evolve their experience and, and craft the arc of their character. How long can they, can they retain their, um, you know, calm versus when do they kind of flip and start to like behave really erratically? And, and I wanted to, empower the players to both make that decision about when that happens and about how that happens. So that's, that's, that's how you get this card-based mechanic. And that was working very well. Um, and I wrote a, and I made a product, which at the time I called insanity cards because it was meant to replace these sanity mechanics. And it had a lot, you know, I think the, the core idea was good, but it still had some content and some, and especially some trade dress that was frankly a little offensive. 
to anyone who really deals with actual mental illness. And I had a sensitivity reader look at it and they gave me that feedback and they're like, yep, here's how you can fix it. And they were like, yeah, it's a good idea, but it definitely has some issues. So let's get rid of this artwork and let's change maybe these couple of entries. And this was all great feedback. It's actually a friend of the show, uh, James Mendez Hodes gave me this, this feedback. Thank you, James. Uh, you can, you can watch it. We think we had him on the show once. You could go pick up an sure, interview with definitely. him. Um, the other feedback I got that was like, hey, you know what? Nobody's really doing this. Nobody's really making a horror game with the goal of having this level of sensitivity. Maybe embrace it. Maybe like go all in and try to make a whole system that really embraces this concept. That might be a whole interesting niche for you. And that grabbed me. And I thought that's actually a really good idea. So that's 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 how I ended up uh, eventually re rebranding it as mental stress rather than insanity, and then essentially wrapping it in an entire system so I could present. Here's a whole game. There's a whole game that that presents a way for you to role play your character in this interesting, dramatic, exciting way that is hopefully not offensive to anybody else at the table who's dealing with actual issues around this. A uh, great example, I think, of every problem is an opportunity, particularly for someone mm -hmm. who is uh, an intelligent, creative, uh, tasteful game designer such as yourself, Paul. So that was that was that was well well pivoted, I think. Thank you. <clears throat> yep. That's the goal. I hope it's successful. You know, I've had other sensitivity readers look at it. I've had play testers um, who themselves have a variety of backgrounds in in. Uh, both as mental health professionals and as as people dealing with real world issues, and uh, the feedback has been very positive. So, so I think it's I think it's pretty strong. I'm really glad. But that mean I mean, that again, I don't as I said tools. last week, we have a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would again, I would argue this doesn't mean that safety tools are not required. I think you know, I think it's a great addition. It's a great addition. I would absolutely play with this stuff. I want to I want to pitch. One more tool here while we still have time because we're almost running out of time. The, the last entry in the uh, Fearful Ends safety website here that we haven't talked about is Aftercare, um, which is just, you know, have a wrap up at the end. Have, earmark a little time to wind down the characters and wind down the players, right? So I, I both have a mechanic in game for specifically like, here's how we're going to talk about the end of our characters. So I give every player a chance to give a little denouement to their character. And then I also like to make sure I have a little time just to talk to my players as players. Hey, everyone have a good time. How'd you do? What'd you like? What did you not like? That's not only useful for me as a designer to get feedback, frankly, that's, that's great. But also just to give people a little more time with each other, especially at a convention. These are potentially strangers. They're going to scatter and never, maybe never see each other again. Yeah, let's give them a little time to talk to each other as humans. That, I, that's, that's, that's gold. That's golden. Yeah. I think it's really, it's that. very useful. And there's not, the, I mean, it sounds, sounds like it should be more structured every time I try to describe it. I'm like, there should be more structure to this, but there isn't. It's just, you know, what, was there a scene in the game that was really intense and like freaked you out and, and in a good way or a bad way? Let's talk about it. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's really good. I want to address, okay, so Ash asked a, a, a couple of minutes ago, and it's something I actually mm -hmm. did want to talk about here. I actually had it on my notes here about um, the one the, the one thing that as the, the, the one notable thing that I as a D&D DM um, have walked into multiple times is having grown up in a medical household, and I'm the only person in my, my immediate family that isn't some kind of medical professional. 
um, and, and being around and being in surgery rooms, veterinary surgery rooms growing up and surgery on farms and helping out with that from a very early age, is that, you know, violence in D&D will happen and I will just start to clinically describe it in mm. rather great detail. Um, and uh, with mostly without intending it, will actually occasionally somewhat freak out players by how 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 far how detailed that got um and uh so so ash was asking would i would i you know um possibly um i guess he asked um do you, should, should, would i have handled it different if i had better tools than just read the room you know and i'm not even going to say i feel that that was really a failure like i feel like in in the exorcist sense i think that actually was a successful like you know, medieval violence is really horrible. I mean, any type of yeah. violence is horrible. Um, and uh, you felt it a little bit. And so I don't, I don't entirely consider it to be a failure, but at the same time, I'm, I, I think that I was present enough to see that I didn't need to go any further, right? Like I've, I've, I've got a bit of a shock reaction out of it. I can, I can step back, we've, we've done the job. Um, I think, you know, it would be hard for me to, I, I don't know, if, if I was playing D&D and I had to check in in advance of like, are you okay with like medieval violence? And someone said, no, I'm like, we, yeah. we, someone else pick a different game. Let, let um, me, I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to, you know, that's a thing I'm going to have to think about. That. Let me give you yeah. a counterpoint here, Dan. Here's a counterpoint for you. Um, you know, the more we talk about this, the more I'm realizing how much I enjoy X-Card as a, as a mechanic. Uh, it, amongst, amongst all these different options, X-Card is by far my favorite. Because, and, and maybe I'll word this as a question, perhaps, but like, do you think if you ran those games with X-Card at play and you sent the beginning to say, there is X-Card, do you, as, as the GM, feel a little more confident in going down that road? Because if you go too far, you know they can always X-Card you. Great, great question. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to sleep on that one. Um, yeah. I mean, then the question is, would I, okay, the, okay, there'd be a little bit of a risk, actually. Yeah. That then I might actually start putting my foot on the gas more in an attempt to see <laughs> if I can trigger someone to use it. Like, how far, yeah. how far yeah. can I go before someone actually picks it up? And maybe that's not great. So yeah. I would, I would yeah. personally have to be taste, I guess, tasteful about not going down the the path of evil. I mean, talk about talk about getting into a into a problematic game, right? Like, as much as I talk about how much I like X card and how like actually its presence is more more beneficial than its actual use, right? Yeah, if I sat down to a game and a GM started with like, we're going to use X card. Here's what it means. Here's how it works. And my goal is to make every one of you X card by the end of the game. I'd be like, fear mm, maybe not. Someone's going to do that, and I fear it's not entirely impossible for me to do that. Um, and you know, I do feel that I do feel like classic D and D was transgressive, and and there's there's a there's a little bit if you pick up if you pick up the earliest D and D, there's things in there that are transgressive, and they all they always were, and they always will be. Um, and you know, there are certain subcultures, you know, that I feel are very fraternal towards, uh, you know, heavy metal music and punk music and things like that. Um, and I was, you know, I was, I was just at a show a couple weeks ago and, uh, like I felt, you know, and we were knocking people on the ground and very, 
brotherly making some space and picking up the guy who'd fallen to the ground, making sure he was okay before we went at it again. Um, and you know, I took, to me, I feel, I, I, you know, I, I, I feel a great sense of love, um, in those, in those circumstances and not everybody would. So I'm just, I'm a mess, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's the thing. There you go. And here's, here's, here's the pitch for safety tools, Dan. We all are. We all are a mess, Dan. So let's maybe make a little more space for each other and a little more, have a little more understanding for each other's mess. <laughs> oh, goodness. Dan, we are out of time. Shocker. <laughs> uh, this was a fascinating conversation. I feel like it was a little less technical than I was expecting. I thought we were going to go down the list and talk more about individual safety tools, their pros and cons. We did that a bit. But definitely, we got we got into the nitty gritty here, like some really like tough, tough questions, which I think is really great. That that was a very exciting conversation for me. I agree. That was a, that's that's a deep dive, which is which is the, one of the things that 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 I'm always happy when we get to find a, a really rich vein like that. Uh, yeah. I, I hope I, obviously I hope that people are going to check out the the mechanical details on the link that we have to the Fearful Ends hmm. Safety Tools page. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trust you, Paul. You have thought about these games uh, very deeply for many years. And regardless of my intuitions or expectations or background or results, I, I, I trust you as a game designer. And I hope you, oh. other people uh, look at it and, and try it out because they've been very successful in my experience. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate that. Um, any, any other final thoughts about safety tools, Dan, or any further aftercare that you need for, for this topic? <laughs> I think that was a, that was a, that was a really that was a really great episode, and I think this was a good opportunity for me to actually uh, touch 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 base with uh, you know what the motivations are and where it comes from. And um, uh, you know, someone said, "Yeah, maybe we should start using the let's not card in you know improv comedy." And I've I've stepped over lines there too. I've I've yeah. been in in it. An improv class, and sure enough, I've stepped over a line that I did not know about, um, and I was very thankful that people very graciously told me about it afterwards. And I could apologize, and I could say I'm not going to do that again. Great. Um, nice. So um, I, you know, I, I, I see why, you know, I see why these things are are necessary, and I'm I'm glad that things are getting better. That um, you know, I think a generation before me couldn't have these conversations at all. Frankly, in my experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, some of us, uh, here in America growing up in particular cultures, um, have the conversation was simply not useful because someone would always get angry and storm off, frankly. And, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the evolution that I've seen over my life of people being more committed to this and being more comfortable with these conversations is definitely a move for the better. I'm super happy that that is occurring. Excellent. Yeah. Likewise. Um, Viewers, if you have any further thoughts on safety tools, uh, and especially if you know of some safety tools that we didn't cover here, you got, you can maybe drop us a link uh, to some of them in the uh, comments section of the video. We'd really appreciate it. I'd love to learn it just for my own uses. And of course, maybe uh, this will come up with new ideas that we're not aware of that we would love to discuss more in the show in the future. 
definitely. And of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, and TikTok. We do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So look for us there, and you'll get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to the show in audio-only podcast format, you can do so. Those files are available on our website at wanderingdms.com. We're about a week behind on releasing those shows right now, but I'm hoping to catch up in this coming week, and so uh, we should be up to date very soon. You can also find those shows on various third-party podcast carriers, such as iTunes and Spotify and uh, a variety of places. If you are listening to the show right now, on one of those third-party podcast carriers, and they offer the ability to do so, please rate and review our show. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And of course, huge thanks to our patrons who support the show here. If you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. And just like Paul said at the top of the show, we have several different tiers, and every one of them gets you on our Discord server where we have these really interesting conversations that are happening all the time about uh, topic today, about safety tools, about uh, natural healing. We've had discussions about that, about um, uh, death spirals, which is part of the mechanics that we think about, uh, you know, fantasy versus horror games and great, great thoughts. Very, very smart patrons. And um, I think you'll, you'd, uh, we would encourage everybody to, uh, to, to join in. We'd love to see you there. Um, upcoming shows on the Wandering Dams channel. So all this month we are doing deep dives in, you know, what could be, you know, hard topics actually. Uh, we're not making it easy for ourselves here, and we're not making it easy for you viewers. So we hope you keep you keep uh, you keep joining in. Um, and so our plan for next week, uh, what we have on the dock is we're talking about uh, adjusting or modifying adventures for different systems or different contexts or things like that. And as part of that, uh, we plan to have uh, Mr. Justin Alexander back on the show to join in that conversation. Also talk about his new book at the same time. And so we hope that you will um, uh, uh, join us next week for the Alexandrian episode here in the October sequence. Um, so we're certainly looking forward to that a lot. And don't forget, if you haven't uh, joined in on the Fearful Ends Kickstarter yet, it's up right now. Uh, please go uh, look at that. Uh, it's a wonderful game in my experience. And um, that is currently live on Kickstarter. We've got the link on the description, right, Paul? Absolutely. Link is here in the description. You can also find us at fearfulends.com. Um, and uh, regardless of whether you do or don't back the project, um, if you find it at all interesting, please share it around. Share the link with your fellow gamers who are into this sort of thing. Share it with your gaming communities. Get the, help us get the word out. We really appreciate it. We really do. Yeah. Uh, so don't forget, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.